It reminds me of the bookshop. And for a moment, Carella did not know what he meant. And then, of course, he recalled a day in October, thirteen years ago, when he and Kling had stepped into a bookshop on Culver Avenue and found four dead bodies on the floor. One of the victims had been Kling's girlfriend, Claire Townsend. Physically, Kling had not changed very much in those thirteen years. Oh, perhaps around the eyes a little, a weariness around the eyes. But he still looked quite young, the blonde hair and hazel eyes combining with a clean-shaven, well-scrubbed sort of face that never seemed to age. Corella looked into that face now, studying the eyes, trying to fathom whether Kling's memory of the bookshop was as vivid as his own, or whether he had learned to deal with that long-ago pain by blocking it out pretending it had never happened. Jesus, that day! Jesus, when he had called the lieutenant and told him to get over there right away because Kling's girl had been killed! Jesus, the way he had stammered on the telephone, almost unable to get the words past his lips! Both men looked up at the sound of the approaching siren. An unmarked car pulled to the curb, its tailpipe throwing a blue-gray ghost into the air. The two detectives who stepped out of the car were dressed almost identically, each wearing black overcoat and gray fedora, black leather gloves, blue woolen muffler. Both of the men were sturdily built, with wide shoulders and beefy chests and thighs, craggy faces, and eyes that had seen it all. Seen it all. Monaghan and Monroe from Homicide, the Tweedledum and Tweedledee of criminal investigation. "'Well, well, you guys never sleep, do you?' Monaghan said. "'They're always awake,' Monroe said. "'How is get a party or two for us in the middle of the night, don't you?' Monaghan said. "'Few more than that this time,' Carella said. "'Yeah?' Monroe said. "'Where are they?' Monaghan asked." Over in the ditch there, Kling said. They watched as the two homicide detectives walked over toward the ditch. In the city for which these men worked, the appearance of homicide cops at the scene of a murder was mandatory, even though the subsequent investigation was handled by the precinct detectives catching the squeal. Carilla and Kling looked upon the cops from homicide as a nuisance. In rare instances, and... Presumably, because they were specialists, they would sometimes come up with an idea that helped expedite the solution of a case. More often than that, however, rather like eye, ear, nose, and throat men advising a general practitioner that his patient was deaf, dumb, blind, and suffering besides from sinus trouble and laryngitis, they merely stated the obvious, confused the issues, and demanded reports in triplicate for their own department. Homicide cops, in short, were pains in the ass to detectives actually in the field trying to solve murder cases. Monaghan and Monroe were supreme pains in the ass. "'Look at this, will you?' Monaghan said, throwing the beam of his flashlight into the ditch. "'Must be at least six of them down there,' Monroe said." Half a dozen, anyway, Monaghan said. What's that? Monroe said. 
A baby? An infant, Monahan said. Now I've seen everything, Monroe said. I've seen one worse than this, Monahan said. Worse than a baby in a ditch, in the middle of January, on a night you can freeze your balls off. Much worse, Monahan said. This was back in the fifties. I was still working out of the A3. That's one hell of a precinct, I can tell you. Oh, don't I know it, Monroe said. That's the precinct where Ralphie Donatello got shot in the back with an African blowgun. A poison dart, Monahan said. Yeah, Monroe said. That was during my time, Monahan said. I used to know Ralphie. He was a damn good cop. Can you imagine? A poison dart. Truth is stranger than fiction.